our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. What's up, guys? Brand new podcast for you coming at you live. This is a multifaceted, multi-tiered podcast uh, with an individual who has a dog that just doesn't like kids. So we talk about what is realistic, fair, and safe for dog owners to try to expect and try to achieve with having a reactive dog towards kids or an aggressive dog towards kids. So we go over that. We also go over, like, we just went over a bunch of different questions. And so there's a lot of really good ones in here about e-collar conditioning, uh, aggression towards kids, and a couple other really good stuff. So it's multifaceted. Uh, it's not just one topic. Um, I walk this individual through multiple topics. At the end of the episode, I'm going to be answering you guys' listening listeners' uh, questions. Uh, we have the number one dog training podcast and we appreciate you and we love you so much. And I try to give it back as much as I possibly can, as well as giving you more value. At the end of the podcast, if you guys have questions, I will be answering them every episode. We always answer three. If you want me to answer yours, head over to the iTunes review chart, leave a review and your question in the review. If you're listening to this on Spotify, again, we put a lot of work into this. Um, it's a lot. Please leave us a review. It would mean the world to us. It's the least... Uh, that I can ask of you guys, and we would appreciate it so much. But if not, enjoy it anyway, and we'll talk to you at the end of the podcast. It's literally just kids that are like, if they're like 12-ish or preteenish and older, then he doesn't mind them. But mm -hmm. even like toddlers, like two-year-olds, like even if they've just learned how to walk, which is scary for obvious reasons, he's not like a little shih tzu type thing that, you know, like he's a he's a big dog, a scary dog. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess, that, so that's the, that's the challenge that I'm running into into with him um my i mean just so you know like to zoom out and kind of give you like an idea of like what a goal is i don't necessarily i will i don't have kids i will one day have kids i'm never around them um but um i would like to, for him to behave appropriately with kids around right mm -hmm. um and in a perfect world would be able to do these off-leash hikes um even with a muzzle on you know responsibly and um just have him not freak out and hate kids. Um, even if they're not looking at him, even if they're not walking up to him, he sees them. I don't know at what point I would say his threshold is, but if he sees them within I would, maybe like 20-ish feet, he loses it. So um, does that give you like mm -hmm. enough context? Does that kind of like paint a picture for you, like what, what we're working with? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, did you say he's eight months? Yeah, he's eight months and he's intact, by okay. the way. Yep. Um, eight months intact. And you said he's GSP? Yeah, okay. yeah, GSP pitbull pitbull mix, but heavy on the GSP major. Like, took him to the park yesterday, and he like literally for like an hour and a half, just running in circles, chasing chasing the birds down. So pretty heavy on the free drive, I'd say. 
Yeah. Yeah, and the pit bulls have a lot of that too. Okay. Yeah, because they're terriers. So they're more into the chasing than most anyway. So it's kind of like a heavyweight there of the chasing. But anyway, um, okay, did it, when did it develop the kid stuff? Was it pro, like, has it always been like this or has it? It's really tough to say because I've got him. He's eight months now. I got him when he was about six years. He was about to turn seven months. I haven't had him, you know, even for two months at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so prior, and the reason why I give that context is because part, you know, from age, we you know for him being born to like about six months, um, he he was rehomed to me. The girl that had him, I think just from what I hear, um, just had him created, didn't do anything with him. Like I taught him sit taught him what a leash is, like all of the above. So I, I, when I first got him, he was just, you could tell was probably really under socialized, was kind of like wary about getting in the car even, you know, he was, he was scared of that. So um, mm-hmm. this is the, this is the third incident that I've had with him and a kid, but um, the other, the other two was like me walking him on leash and the kid is like walks by in front of him, you know, a, a couple, maybe a, like a yard or two. Um, but it's really hard to tell you because I'm literally never around kids. I live right. alone, like mid twenties, living out here in Austin, Texas. My all the nieces and nephews, like all the kids I would be around, live like thousands of miles away. Sure. Um, so even if I were to go visit them, like he likely wouldn't be with me. But so I that so I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally. Yeah, that's that's what I was. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out, um, you know, like his background. Say somebody got rid of him because he developed aggression towards kids because the, the only reason why i ask is because the the, the development at that eight, eight month mark for an intact male is common for them to take things seriously and for them to become protective and become pushy and um they're you know they're just full adults and they act differently and so, so that we see that a lot uh, i just talked to somebody actually earlier this morning similar like got a got a puppy and then all of a sudden at eight months, puppy is now an adult dog, big mastiff, and just hates people coming into the house. And it's like this all of a sudden thing. But really, it just comes down to the dog's maturing. So that's why I was asking if there was any context of like the lady having that you got him from or adopted him from or whatever. She had kids. He was fine. And then he wasn't. But it doesn't really matter at this point. So I would say, what was the... What was the situation with the kid that he was going after? I mean, was that like at a park or was that like, did he just get out of the house or what was that situation? Yeah, it was on a trail um, in, uh, okay. there's like, it, it's a park that's like over 200 acres, trails that we go on at least once a week. Yeah. So um, they were coming around like a bend, like I couldn't, I couldn't see them until I ran towards them. Um but we had been out at this point. I mean, it's not like he was locked up all day and then I, you know, threw him on the trail and and then that happened because that to me, I would be like, okay, that's that's kind of fair. Um, we had been on the trail at this point maybe like 30 minutes. We were like, you know, um, good and you know pretty deep into the hike. Yeah. Um, and he he's been on this on this same trail before, where there's kids around, not as close as this kid was to him, but kids around and if he's with my other dog or if he has you know if he's walking around sniff well not he doesn't walk he runs so if he's like walking mm-hmm. running around sniffing like 
busy, has something to do, then the kids can be running, screaming. He doesn't care. Um, so this scenario, I couldn't see. I, I don't know um, if the kid maybe like reached out to pet him right. um, or, or maybe just got a little bit too close for his comfort. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what could, yeah. have, could okay. have like, you know. I get it. Yeah. Okay. So realistic goal is to get him neutral around other kids, obviously not jumping in their lap and to be friendly. I think the two things that you'll need to get successful uh, with this is obviously your overall obedience, which is good, and uh, management of the space that you're in. Because there's a lot of dogs who don't like kids, mainly because they've never been exposed to them. It's kind of like if a UFO were to land and aliens started walking out. And we're like, that's that's not, I don't know what that is. That looks different, smells different, acts different, sounds different. Everything about what I thought was humans, or in this case, an alien. You know what I mean? So that that's kind of like what the dog sees it as. Is Or I'm sorry. Well, yeah, the dog will see the kids as that. Is They're like, oh... You know, you're an adult. I was, you know, if I was captive, if you will, into a house and really not had any socialization in the real world or exposure to the real world, um, you know, then the then the dog is going to be terrified of kids for that reason. They just don't know what it is. So it's not uncommon for dogs to be afraid of kids and act aggressive towards them. And it, the main reason is, is because they just don't know, you know, what they are. And regardless of why they're doing it, it's still not safe and it's not fun and it's not appropriate. So, so again, because of his age and his demeanor so far towards kids, he's not going to just flip a switch and go, Oh, I like kids. And I know that you don't expect that either. I'm just kind of laying out the, the uh, settings here, I guess. So the expectation would be if I'm out in public to have really good obedience, especially if there's going to be kids around or if there's kids approaching or, we're going to a trail on a weekend and we're going to see kids. You just have to have overall control. And really that's, that's what it comes down to because alternatively it would be having him be comfortable around kids and not have the urge or behaviors to go after kids aggressively. And the only way to really accomplish that is to get kids as distractions and I, there's not going to be anybody in Texas or anywhere that's going to be like, yeah, you can use my kids as bait. Sure. So, and I'm just being realistic because I, you know, I want you to achieve your goals by having your dog be neutral around kids. And what that looks like is, is essentially like suppression where the, or, you know, the dog is like, Hey, I want to go and check out these kids because they're running and they're scary and I want to police them and I want to bark at them and I want to nip at their heels and I want to do whatever I want to do. But you're going to say, well, you can't. So, that's because outside of that, you're not, like you said, you, you, you're kind of a, you don't have your family in Texas and where you're at currently, therefore you're not going to be around a bunch of kids. And so the kids that you are going to be around are going to be strangers out on a hike or in a trail or on a walk. Uh-huh. So at that point it would be copy and pasting your good obedience with those scenarios. And that would be the absolute best case scenario and the most responsible thing to do. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it, yeah, it does. Um, 
So are you, but I guess one question, sure. are you saying, cause I'm wondering like, um, there's definitely not going to be anybody that's going to be like, yeah, Mel, you can take my kid and mm-hmm. you know, they can be the dummy for you to like practice socializing him to them. Yeah. Is, is there not a way to like, um, I haven't tried this yet because it, it, you know, saying it out loud almost sounds stupid, but like taking him to like a park or something, being far away enough and like putting him in a sit and treating him heavily if he doesn't react, you know, are things, would things like that help? Sure. Or... Absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. It, it'll help. But in my experience, it, it's going to go one way or the other. So let's say, let's say you're at a park and you're far away from this walnut tree, but at that walnut tree, there's 10 squirrels running around. And from a distance, you're going to be working on the sit and all your obedience and your engagement. And the dog is going to be engaged with you because the currency isn't good enough or of value enough for the dog to be like checking out from you. It's going to be more about what you have. So the motivate, so it's like a payday essentially. So the dog's with you. He kind of sees the squirrels, he hears the squirrels, he smells the squirrels, all that's there. And you're working, you know, with what you have, right? So the dog is engaged. But as soon as you get closer, you're going to battle with, yeah, but they're squirrels. And that's kind of like what it is with kids is I think because of, because there's, and and, and I don't know if you know, but it sounds to me like you don't really have um, a ton of background on if they had any experiences at all with children uh if if there were bad experience or negative experience because it's kind of one of those things that you can pull the dog out of the air quotes hole that they're in with kids and the experience that they've had with kids um absolutely there is there is a way to work on that to develop more in this case i think it's more about confidence to be honest with you because and again i don't know the context exactly of what happened with that kid at the park but if a eight month old dog wants to attack a young kid, they're just going to do it. Like they're they're they can just do it. They're fast. They're strong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if it was going to happen, I think it would have. And the fact that it okay. didn't, it, it says a lot about the intentions of like stranger danger, fear, um, whatever. I mean, I'm not, I don't know for sure. I don't know. I mean, you could have grabbed the dog at the right moment before he did. I, I'm not sure. And and I don't know if you know, because it was kind of a, a, a chaotic blurry thing that happened really quick, right. but right. I'm just, I, what I'm doing is I'm investigating with you out loud. I'm not telling you exactly what things are going to be and how they're going to be. Cause I, I don't know, but I just want you. Yes. The answer is yes. You can certainly get close to kids with your dog and make it a pleasant, enjoyable experience around kids. Or you could fast your dog if he's super highly food motivated and he's like obsessed with food and you get two cups of his kibble and you go out to a park, sit at a bench from afar and pay the dog over a half an hour as there's kids running and playing. You're you're making it a good experience. And the dog could go, oh, those things I were afraid of aren't so bad. Or... Again, his the closer you get to the kids and the more the distraction kind of picks up, uh, unfortunately, what could happen is the dog's natural drive comes in and maybe he just doesn't like kids and there's nothing that anybody has done. There's no experiences that were bad. He just doesn't like kids. I'll give you a perfect example. When I brought home my son, when he was a newborn from the hospital, we had we have one dog right now 
uh, and she's a she's a Dutch Shepherd, and she's she's never ever ever had a problem with people, and I know her well enough to say like she never will, but she's never really been around newborns, just for the obvious reasons of like people with newborns kind of hang out at home, uh, and so anyway. And they're certainly not exposing their dogs to newborns. But when I brought him home, she was terrified, absolutely petrified. She didn't know how to act around him. She didn't know what he was. She was, she was stiff. She was nervous. She was terrified. And I was like, you know, if that's how she's going to be with him, there's not. I can't do. I can't do anything about that. I can't change that. She's like, what is this? It smells weird. Looks weird. Sounds weird. Makes weird noises is 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 ruining my schedule, my consistency, my routine with my my family terrified. And at that point, mm-hmm. I wasn't like uh, I got to change this. How am I going to change that? She's just telling me like this I'm I'm afraid of this. Like I I can't like I don't know what this is. But over time, she realized that he was a human as he grew up and she was like, "Oh, okay." So that's that's kind of what happens with dogs is if there's a specific thing that they don't like, Sometimes it's gender, sometimes it's race, sometimes it's age. There's two things, again, in my experience that I've seen this happening from, which is experience, which means the typical, like, my dog's afraid of men because the dog was beat by a guy with a beard and a hat, whatever. Or it's just this innate, I was born with this suspicion and aggression or protectiveness or whatever we want to call it towards these different people than than my family. Right. And so, so I guess I'm just like, again, talking out loud of like my experience and some things that I've seen over the years. And so I absolutely think that you can get around kids and make it a positive experience. No doubt, especially with your obedience being so good, because you can have two or two or three kids at a, you know, 20 feet away from you playing on their carts, like their little motorcycle things that they do. And you could be hanging out, having a conversation with mom or dad. And I think you'd be fine with that. But you just have to understand that putting yourself and putting your dog and putting, you know, your community, I guess, into that situation, the natural thing that most kids are going to do is run right towards your dog. And then you have, then you have a situation because then you have to stop the kid. You have to, you know, maybe tell you, tell the people that you're talking to just, and I know you're not going to be putting you or your dog into these situations. I'm just like realistic. You're out for a walk. You notice somebody from work, they stop, they have a two-year-old that's playing with sidewalk chalk. How are you? Good to see you. Didn't know you lived around here. Kid looks up, sees the dog. They have two dogs at home. Kid comes running up and then you're like, oh crap, this is bad. Those are things that you're going to encounter and you can still approach and have those situations however you you have to double down on your advocating for the scenario you have to so when i'm out with an aggressive dog i am more paying attention to my surroundings than i am the dog because i know that my dog is friendly with me and i know my dog doesn't care about anything but if they're reactive or aggressive towards people i'm looking for what's going to break the environment, like what is going to shatter this glass? And that's a person coming into the environment. And then I have to allocate my path to not have a situation. So it's just a lot of, it's just a lot of management. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see what you mean by managing the, uh, I think you said managing the environment is what you you called it. Head on a swivel. Now, if we were talking about 
my dog is afraid of other dogs or my dog is afraid of traffic cones. Like those are things that you can safely, ethically expose your dog within six inches to with a chain link fence or just walking up to a cone without any problem. You'd be great. You'd be fine. You can get that close. But with kids, you can't because you can't control the kids. And if something, if something, God forbid, happened, like it's a, it's a total loss for everybody. Like, exactly. All around. Yeah. So it's almost not worth it to. You're like, I already know my dog doesn't like kids. Like that's a like I don't I don't need it. I don't need a bite under him to know that that's a thing. But I think you can have your cake and eat it too by just making sure that when you go out, you're controlling the environment for you and your dog. It's almost like yeah. if you see an off leash dog, you see a kid, and I and I, listen, I have a. I have a kid, I live in a neighborhood, there's kids everywhere and they don't listen for shit. It has nothing to do with parenting, to be honest with you. It's like, these kids are just like, woo! <laughs> and it's like, you're just chasing them all the time, especially the toddler, you know, four, five, six age-ish. So it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. So you're out on a trail, it's on a Sunday, families are walking around. I mean, it's it, there's just things where I used to think that um, it's their responsibility. And then I realized if you know that you have a dog that, can be a liability to public, then you have to be the bigger person and take the higher road. You see kids, you duck into the trail, you turn around. Mm-hmm. That's just what you okay. have to do. And that's fine. There's no, there's literally nothing wrong with that. You're not failing your dog. You're not failing anything. You're just like, my dog doesn't like kids. And unfortunately I can't work on this variable because it's not fair to anybody in the situation. Okay. But you can work around okay. For sure. Yeah. You just, you can't like get granule with it, unfortunately, unless you had like a doll or something, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, even that's different. You know, dolls are still exactly. and, and quiet. Quiet. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, that's what I mean. It, it is wonder, frustrating, but. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, it's scary because exactly what you said, like there's zero opera, like with another dog. Sure. Like my first dog, he had a, you know, a season, a couple of months where he was a little bit, he was scared of dogs. He had gotten attacked by a couple of like off leash ones. We worked through it. Like he's fine now. And yeah. I, you know, I, I would be a little bit nervous like on a trail with other dogs, but at the end of the day, like if he gets another fight with a dog, he gets in another fight with a dog. You stop it. You apologize. You keep going with a kid. You can't do that. It's like a completely exactly. different, it's a completely different scenario. But yeah. I feel like, you know, even, even you discussing like managing, like managing the surroundings, I, I want, I feel like getting like maybe like a kids may not listen and can't read, you know, like yeah. young ones, but getting like a do not pet collar, doing the muzzle thing. I've, you know, I put the muzzle on him and he doesn't hate it. He, you know, as long as he can run and chase things, he doesn't care. He could, you could put a straight jacket on him and he still would like go for it. So I, that might be like a good, a good option here. And then I guess working on the uh, obedience, um, with that, can I actually ask you a question around the e-collar? Sure. Um, so the first dog e-collar trained. Um, so tried introducing it to this to the second dog, um, and this is one of those like situations where I've wondered about his background because um, I put the e-collar on him and you know started. We have like a one of the the like, e-collar e-collars, the uh, like the educator ones, the mini educator ones. I think it is. Maybe it's bigger than that. It's one of the, it's not the dog shirt one, it's the other brand. Um, yeah, e-collar technologies, maybe? Garmin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah the e-collar technologies, that one. Yeah. It's like the, the round one. Um, 
I I put it on him and started on like a one, a two, and you know, I'm slowly going up to see when he looks at me, when he, you know, when he gives me some kind of sign that he feels something interesting. And I literally had to take it off and put it back on my hand and test it to make sure it was working, put it back on his neck and made sure it was like touching his, his skin mm-hmm. and then try to get it and start, kept going up, you know, on the stem, just like level by level. And it got to the point where his, he no reaction, just sitting there looking at me, puppy dog eyes, like, I, like just staring at me in the kitchen. And uh, it got to the point where his entire neck was twitching. So I know he, he had to feel it. It was on, it was working with zero like reaction to it and had tr- like tried introducing it to him with like, you know, uh, with like sit, recall, like literally um, doing like really basic stuff that he knows like in the house and just zero response to it. So um, I don't know if that's something you like, I, so my, my immediate thought was like, oh, maybe his previous owner, because he was a crazy puppy, you know, running all over the place and kind of chaotic because he's a, he was a GSP puppy that, you know, mm-hmm. that didn't know anything and didn't have an outlet. Like what I would assume, um, she was like a 19 year old girl, but I don't really know any, any of like the, like the story. But if I had to assume, I would, you know, I would think maybe she, she slapped some kind of like vibrate collar or some kind of like shock collar thing and mm-hmm. was zapping him around and now he just doesn't give a shit about it or something like that but is this something you've encountered before is there like a better way i've watched your like your videos on in- introducing it and with the first dog worked with a, a local trainer back when i lived in florida to introduce that dog to it condition him you know train him to it mm-hmm. and used you know the same the same techniques and like still like as if nothing is on his is on his neck like i don't know like yeah well there's a better way to do it yeah, I think I think one of the mistakes that you are likely making, I don't know, from what you've said so far, is is maybe um, introducing di- uh, too much distracted environments before the dog knows it well. Uh, that's what I that's what I would say anyway. That's that's what it sounds like. Is so if there's like you said, like there's you you already know like the different levels of obedience and stuff, but there's also like different levels of distractions. And so if you're if the dog doesn't know it well in the in the context and the way that you're communicating with the dog with, then if you're taking a dog that's inexperienced with the remote collar or um, is not fluent with the communication of how it's used in the pressure system of how it works, and then you're applying it in a very distracted environment, um, it's going to be very challenging for the dog to show you remotely any information that they're feeling it because they're so overwhelmed by their environment. And that's that's very common. I think that's like the most common mistake people make when introducing or starting off with the e-collar is they're applying training protocols to a dog that doesn't understand it well. And you have to work up to those out, like getting your dog outside and using it is like the last step. And I think if you're introducing it that way, or if you're unsure and you're just trying it outside, then that's probably the best indicator of what's going on first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, Cause like if you're, from what you said, you're going outside, you're using it. You can't really find these conditioning levels. You can't really see them reacting. Oh, we were inside. You were inside? We were, yeah, we were inside. I have a, a small apartment. So we were like in the, in the main room. Okay. Um, yeah. I hadn't even, I haven't even tried taking it, putting it on him outside. 
Okay. Um, okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's different. So when you're inside, what are you not? Are you just not seeing him respond? I mean, what are you? You're not seeing him respond, or you're not. What, what are you not seeing? What do you? What do you um, think? So what I would expect, I put the collar on him, and he was just. I didn't tell him to sit, but just he was just sitting in front of me, and um, I was expecting whenever he felt the the spin, he felt the collar, like to look at me or to like look around, you yeah. know, like that movement, like as if there's like a fly or something like that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You're expecting something for him like to react, but um, nothing. Like he just stayed looking at me, staring at me very calmly. Um, I think he even just like laid down, got like you know got like bored. Don't know you know what why you're just standing here mm -hmm. and. Um, and surely, you know, I'm thinking, surely he has to feel it. His, the entire, his entire neck was twitching and it was on, I looked down at the level and I'm mm. like, it's like a 25 and I'm thinking, yep. there's no way I, you know, my dog uses like a level like six or seven. Um, and he really feels that like, there's no way this, this yep. puppy's like at a 25 and going up and does and isn't like at least whelping or like, yeah. you know, responding in some way to the, to the stem. Yeah. There's two things, uh, that. We'll go into that equation. Either the dog doesn't know the behavior well enough that you're asking, or again, the environment that you're in is too stimulating because they're feeling it. Once you start seeing the muscle twitches and spasms, that doesn't mean that it hurts them by any means. It just means that they are physically feeling the stimulation and they're not sure how to shut it off. Um, or they're distracted. So if they're into something else, they're looking at something else, they're sniffing something else, they're chasing something else. That just means that there's too much wiggle room for the dog to. So here's what I, let me just, this will be a lot better for you. Let's say, let's say I'm in, I'm, I'm at your house right now and you say, Hey, my dog is feeling this. I can see his neck twitch, but he's not, he's still not responding. Then I would say, okay, let's get back down to the basics and start to build up to see what we're missing. We got to figure out the missing piece. I would, a, first of all, make sure that I have some sort of long line on the dog to give assistance in a situation where he's not sure what to do. Because every time that we take a step in, in the direction with the remote collar, you really don't want to move to any other step until you have passed. So you wouldn't go outside. Like you wouldn't go outside after the dog is unresponsive inside. So you'd get a 10 foot long line or a 15 or even a flexi if you have one, a retractable. And you say the dog's name. Say, George, come. If he doesn't, then you would give him leash pressure to help assist with the e-collar pressure because he doesn't know how to turn it off yet, it sounds like. He's like, I don't, I feel this, but I don't know where the hell it's coming from or what it is. And then you assist with your physical pressure to help him shut it off. And then you pay him when he gets to you. And you have to, you also have to make sure that he's not far enough away from you because the three Ds is distance, distraction, and duration. And if he's off leash and he's away from you at a good distance or in the other room, then I would tighten all that up. And that's, it's, it's too, it's not beneficial for you to just sit there and go, it's not working. It's not working. And I know you're not. All I'm saying mm -hmm. is, is if I'm in those situations, which happens often with dogs where I'm like, he's not getting it. You go back down to where, you know, he's going to get it. You move him out five feet from you. You say, George, come, e-collar. He comes to you, you pay him, and you break him. And then you just keep doing that. And as you build, you push the dog away from you further and further, and you let him get into stuff, and you try to find your missing link to say, oh, for whatever reason, under this circumstance, he's not responsive. But Because that's where we see a lot of people make the mistake is they 
are very novice to the remote collar with the dog and the dog has been using it, but maybe not in a positive way or maybe not in a fun training environment. And so the dog kind of has half-ass knows it. And then we ask him to do something in a, when they're into the deep end, they're, they're just distracted. You have to find the missing link and build them back up. Okay. I mean, it's almost like if you, if, if your if your dog or your kid finally counts to 10 and then all of a sudden the next day you're like, all right, let's show everybody how you can count to 10. And they go one, two, three, four, and then they get st- they're stumped. They're like, um, seven, eight. You go, no, no. All right, let me let me go up the scale with you again, so you know how to connect the dots. And that's where you'll find the missing pieces to connect, kind of connect those. That's the way I look at it, and it helps a lot of people because you're just mm-hmm. missing the missing pieces. You're just you went up. Okay, good. Next. Okay, good. Next. Okay, good. Next. And then maybe you skip two steps. And the dog's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's good. It's a good analogy. It's a good example. Yeah. Just take um, it. Just take it back. Just a little bit. Make it as easy as you can. Say, hey, you know one, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know two. Yep. I know two. What's next? Three. Okay. Good. What's what's four? Four. What's next? Um. Okay. Here's what's next. After four is five, and they go, oh, okay, and they're just struggling with that one, like you know, they're missing the C or the D like, or that three to 10, like they're just missing that one piece. And as soon as you help, you help them study that piece, then it goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, And it's like really smooth. But a lot of times mm-hmm. it's like a missing link and you just have to double down on that link and then help them overcome it. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. That, no, that helps a lot. I can, I can try that with him with the, with the, the long line and calling him with, with the e-collar on and so in that case when he turns around when he commits to coming back to me let go of the let go of the stem and reward him when he when he gets back to me right yeah so e-collar stem yeah, on okay. continuous he turns to you you have to backpedal to target yourself so make it make okay. it really fun that's because people forget okay. like you're like hey dog i want you to come sit next to me and like whatever you're doing is not cool or not important mm-hmm. and they're like yeah it is mm-hmm. what are you talking about dude and like this is great over here and so you have to target yourself and make it fun. You know, like okay. teaching a kid how to walk towards you. Like, oh, yeah, you're doing it. You got to encourage him. Okay. So so it would be like, hey, George, come. And they turn to you and you just backpedal two or three times. You lower your shoulders. You, yes, good come, good come. They get to you. You pay them and then you break them. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. I can do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that makes me feel better about being able to take him out, make, like really having that obedience solid so he doesn't eat any children. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That e collar is de- is definitely like if you're going to have him off leash, it's a must because when you're you know throwing him in to the to the inv- you know the community, uh, it's like a loaded gun. You just got to make sure that you have that control. If you're going to let, yeah. and it doesn't matter if you have the friendliest dog or the most aggressive dog in the world. If you're going to put your dog off leash, you have to make sure that you have control for their safety and yours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Um, this, this next question is, is probably, I'm not fully expecting you to have the answer to it, but like, you know, in your expertise and your experience, just wondering, like his, his thing with kids, like, is, is this different than like one day I will have children and you know, is, is this different? Like me having a newborn, bringing them home and then like him getting to see them from, 
newborn to like then toddler then like kid level like are we thinking is he going to hate that whole experience is he not going to be trustworthy like you know worst case scenarios for me having to rehome him um but i'm just trying to think think fast forward 10 years from now when i have when i have kids like mm-hmm. is do you think is there like hope basically for like him to have one or two kids at home and like not you know be ridiculous and inappropriate and dangerous yeah i the, if the question is is it different i think so yeah definitely yeah. um so yes i'd say it's different because i've had personal experience with clients who have had dogs that are very aggressive towards new people and their mom has uh, goes through pregnancy and the kid comes out and they never have an issue the the dog okay. loves them and the kid can crawl okay. all over them and it's this whole thing so i my my experience has been yes there it is a different thing for sure dogs are very intelligent they're very intuitive they're very aware of their surroundings and of their pack and dogs can detect cancer high blood pressure they know if you're nervous they definitely know if you're growing a human inside of you <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. so yes and, and and again like with my experience there's dogs that i wouldn't i don't even want around me like ever mm-hmm. and they are introduced to a newborn and they're gangbusters the whole time and they've never had a problem and i've seen that okay. multiple times not just one freak moment i think okay especially when you get a dog that has stranger danger and who are you get the hell out of here and uh, i mean that i mean that's what my my dog did like i said i i had i said okay if she's gonna not like kids then and i knew that she did she she likes kids because we have uh, like i said like 20 kids just in my little block here i didn't think that was a problem it's just in my head i'm like okay i have to manage this you know for for mm-hmm. everyone's safety so anyway so mm-hmm. i think yeah it's definitely different and you'll just have to cross that bridge when you get there at that point he'll obviously be an older dog and you'll have that whole time frame to be working on these things here's here's mm-hmm. what i think i could do like as a professional and if you find somebody that is experienced enough and confident enough and has the experience is the number one thing to do this i think if there was a park with kids playing i think if i had a, if i had your dog and i spent a, a couple hours with him on handling and understanding one another and having expectations with each other and having that relationship and building it. I'd be, I'd be very confident that I could get him five feet from these kids without a reaction. But again, they can't come up to him. He can't go up to them. It's just, I, I know that I'd be able to get him neutral around these kids without problems. Yeah. So I think you can do that too. Um, but I think the only problem you're going to find is again, you, I just wouldn't let him off leash when you're in public places, period. I just wouldn't. Even if you do all the right things and a kid does all the stupid things and the parents do all the stupid things, at the end of the day, unfortunately, it's still your fault. Yeah. By public place, do you, does that include off-leash trails, that type of thing? It could. Um, you know, every every environment is different. Like when I talk to people that live in Australia and Oregon and whatever, like their parks and environments are like, I don't need, I can't even, I don't, I have no idea. But again, like if you're, if you don't have good recall and you don't have sight on your dog, uh, that's going to be a problem. Uh Yeah. Because you're just going to get that. Like, just to think about the, 
family that's riding their bikes and the kid gets off yeah. the bike to look at the mushroom that's on the ground and then your dog comes up and the kid starts screeching and running away. And then, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to get back in your car and you're going to be shaking your head and you're going to be really upset with yourself. Cause you're like, I knew this could happen. And so, yeah. so, it, so if you're going to do parks and you're going to do trails, try to do it in an environment that you can see 360, like go to fields, big trails, um, and then keep them close. You know, it, it like it, it, and again, like, I'll just give you an example my dog doesn't really particularly like other dogs. She's not going to go after another dog. If another dog comes after her, she'll let him have it, but she's not going to chase any. She's not aggressive towards dogs. She just would rather not be, she's a working dog. She's very serious. Mm -hmm. She just wants the ball and the fetch. And I could be playing ball and fetch with her, with the dog and she could care less. But if that dog comes up to her, she'll correct the dog and she'll go right back to you. She's not going to like do anything else. But my point is, Uh my point is, is when I'm out with her, I still keep her close no matter what because it's just not fair to other people, you know, because they're, cause they're going to yeah. have their like out of control. Nobody's going to have the, – out of the amount of people out there that are actually have control over their dogs, especially the ones who are e-collar trained and really controlled, you're, you, you probably aren't going to run into any of those people in the next five years, unfortunately. And if you do, it's going to okay. be few and far in between. It's going to be like one mm-hmm. to a thousand like, wow, you have control. Like for me, I can down my dog at any point in her life at any time and she'll just lay down no matter what. Mm-hmm. So not everybody has that control. But again, those are the types of things that you'll have to keep in mind. And especially you just have to be safe and you have to make it fair for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I hear you. No, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have to choose other the public safety, children's safety over, you know, um, I guess. Well, and it's your, that kind of stuff with yeah, but I would I would also say it's your dog's safety too because, like, if you put your dog into a situation one plus one equals two, you know, and your dog gets the short end of the stick of that, they take your dog, they find you, your dog hurts somebody, and they have to do worse with your dog. You know what's the what's the ROI on that? Like shit. Yeah, I knew that could yeah. happen. Why did I? Why did I do that? You know what I mean. So that's the right. way. That's the way I would look at it too. Is it's not so much about like, oh, my dog's not going to be happy. It's like, well, if I, because your dog is an animal, so you're mm-hmm. you're the one that's going to take that leash off. And if you do, your dog's not going to go out and go, oh, you know what? I don't want to go after you because my mom said I could get in trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's just not going to happen. Like, there's going to be this kid that's just going to come screeching across the trail one day, and you're going to be like, oh shit. So. I don't know. I just am over safe. Like I'm just over safe with those types of dogs. Um, you, you speaking in the dog's voice, there's a meme. You might've seen it where from like the perspective of like, I guess the mom or the humans in the tub and the pit bull's head is, is peeking into the tub saying like, Oh shit. Like, Hey, like mom, I, I, I accidentally bit a kid. Like the cops are coming. Like that's yeah, the yeah. image I just got in my head. Like they, I've seen that. yeah, I know. It, I, to, yeah, totally. Totally would be, is my responsibility so i guess okay i get we're cutting getting shorter on time one more one more question for you sure so it sounds like i mean there's surely there's you know the e-collar training getting that obedience making sure it's down um working on on some of these things to make sure he's you know neutral as reliable as possible um but it sounds like even you know with that um he still is like a a walking like you said like a walking gun like a walking liability Mm -hmm. and 
I'm not going to be able to do like the the Saturday or Sunday evenings at this this huge park that we go to trails. Like there's kids mountain biking and stuff on. It's a it's a 200 acre park. You're not on top of people, but you do pass there, right? Um, so if, if you know with him, he loves that stuff, and as do I. I love you know that's a source of exercise and you know being outside for me. Him getting to run and chase, you know, that's when he's allowed to have that outlet of like chasing animals and squirrels and, you know, the birds and all that kind of stuff and sniffing everything and, you know, just fully being a GSP, fully being a dog. If I have to scale back on some of those like off-leash activities, what are things that I can do like a day in the life? um, If I'm keeping him on leash, if, you know, uh, relying on things like the fetch and tug and X, Y, and Z, if I'm having to scale back on like allowing him to have that off leash outlet, like what can I do in the day to day to set him up to not be wound up, to not, you know, eat the couch, to not, to still be like a a fulfilled, uh, fulfilled pointer. And I mean, he's heavy. My first dog is like a, he's a pit bull Rottweiler mix and thought I had my hands full with him when he was a puppy, but this dog is like two X, three X the i mean the prey, prey drive the chaos so like anyways that's my question like what mm-hmm. day in the life like what can i do to set him up to be like fulfilled happy not chaotic or at least less chaotic yeah sure i i would first of all go to try to find the places that are safe like a field like a field soccer field baseball field um things like that uh you can find that are a place that you can play chuck it place you can play frisbee and again, the more that you work on your e-collar work, the more freedom your dog's going to have, the more control and safety you're going to have. That's the first thing. And then second to that would be brain games. So lots of mental exercise over everything. Um, getting into these fields too. And if you don't feel comfortable taking the dog off leash, you can put your dog on a 20-foot long line, do a little bit of physical exercise, and then do some mental work. So a lot of the, a lot of the mental work will exhaust your dog's far quicker and more sustainably like dogs are athletic very athletic animals obviously and it takes far more energy to exhaust them physically than it does mentally by a long shot so doing tests throughout the day literally just obedience sit stay throw the ball recall the dog break the dog things like that constantly testing your dog well, making them think making them think don't don't get into a circus don't get into a routine because your dog that's not, doesn't test your dog it's a very mundane okay. way to live they're not you know clock in clock out clock in clock out they don't learn anything they don't experience anything new they don't think they could the, the, you know the old saying i could do this with my eyes closed well you don't want to do that with your dog because then they don't get any mental stimulation you need to make them think so things like that and then alternatively again if you're looking for something that is you know a little bit of an investment but something that you can stick into your home uh, is a dog treadmill which are nice and those are okay. super easy um but yeah that and then just walks i mean just walk in your dog too yeah. i think uh, yeah i think you could yeah. do a combination of things you know and, and you know i've always had i've always worked with aggressive and reactive dogs because it's just like my forte and understanding so it's like nothing new to me anytime i go anywhere i'm always like head on the swivel uh just making sure you know you know just always watching my environment it's like some sort of like secret uh, service guy so yeah yeah so i mean when you're out again like go to a field go to a trail get that 20 foot on and let your dog still do the things but you just have to have your head in a swivel and have control uh, and just 
things like picking the days and the times that you go to trails, picking the days and times you go to these fields, like things like that. Like there's just creative ways that you have to, you know, I work with a lot of dog owners who work with different trainers that unfortunately can't, um, handle some of the training that the dogs are under. And so there's a lot of avoidance that is definitely a, a, a good option, but it's not something that you want to do forever. But what they teach their clients, instead of fixing the problem or correcting the problem, they just say like, you have to wake up at four thirty and play with your dog then because there's nothing that we can do to help you. But I think taking a little bit of that information from that scenario and saying like, Hey, I, I might, you know, on a, on a, on a day off or a day that I have time, you know, maybe going early into the morning to a field with a 20 foot long line and doing some work, things like that. You just have to, you just have to shift your life a little bit, um, just a little bit just to make it less stressful for you. Cause that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, that's, that's actually, that's, that's really helpful. Um, all right. Well, it's nice to chat with you. Uh, good luck with everything. It was, yeah. Thank you so much for, for the help um definitely um makes me feel more i guess like optimistic confident and like going forward um yeah yeah, yeah. thank you man appreciate it hope you have a great rest of your night you too thank you okay all right. bye bye all right you guys you reached the end of the podcast and this question comes from sam b roach or roush maybe uh first of all i cannot express how much i enjoyed all your content been watching this for the been watching you for the last four years, and I'm so happy that Tom is finally getting the attention and publicity he deserves. Well, thank you. I have a five-year-old Aussie. She's spayed. She's a female. Solid obedience. I'd say level three, which is the most advanced you can get, as I always say, as you often refer to in your podcast. Yes. Off-leash heel, even high traffic area, solid recall, solid heel. She occasionally plays with other dogs, but usually will just do her own thing unless another dog is in her face jumping all around. She'll give her correction, which I don't mind because I feel like it's warranted. However, there have been incidences where smaller dogs in my neighborhood were out of nowhere. She will be walking and will go lunge passing and so much. Um, there's small fights have broken out because of this. She gives no warnings or growls. She just goes, which I've uh, never experienced with her. This isn't a huge issue uh, as it's something that we rarely into, into, but I'm curious to hear your feedback. Is it, is she just not really dog friendly, but more dog tolerant or might she be more selective? Well, I just did a podcast on dogs coming up to you off leash. That's going to be helpful for you, Sam. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree everything of what you said. Just like my dog, Lakota, she's tolerant of dogs. She doesn't really want to play, not interested in playing. She's not going to go out of her way to do anything malicious. She's also not going to go out of her way to play. She just kind of is like neutral, but don't get in my face and be rude. Um, but again, if these, from what I understand, if these dogs are off leash and running after you guys, um, you know, your dog correcting these dogs, uh, are, is, is definitely appropriate. I would say, um, so I'm just like rereading this should be walking, um, and go, go to lunge and passing. Okay. So these small dogs are lunging. I'm, I'm sorry. Your dog is lunging at other dogs and passing. It could be a small dog thing too. Like if, if it's only small dogs, then chances are it is, uh, maybe she's had bad experiences with small dogs in the past. I'm not sure. But at the end of the day, um, because you're not running into it too much, um, because there's no warning and there's no sign and the dog just lunges, I think the best thing to do is probably just avoid those small dogs in passing to where your dog can't reach them if it does happen. So anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for the question. Next comes from Amy and Gianna, five-star review. Thank you for the puppy Kickstarter course. Tom, I've owned two black 
and red Western line German Shepherds with your help and our past experience with our breed and our current situation. Uh, our current Shepherd is is mistaken to be five years old versus five months, or sorry, five years old versus nine months old. Yes, we have worked with her since she was eight weeks old and have made all of her, wait, let me read that again. I have owned, okay. Our current shepherd is mistaken to be five years old versus nine months old. Yes, we have worked with her since she was eight weeks old and have made all of her experiences in a comfort of mind. I tell everybody your puppy Kickstarter course gave her a beautiful foundation to start, and I've learned that we are, we have to advocate for her. Read your dog and the energy you tried to guide them. I can't thank you enough for your podcast. I learn every day, and it makes our life with our better Gianna. My biggest question is, what do I what do I do when another dog is barking at my dog on a walk, but she is looking at them? Is she causing the other dog to bark and feel uncomfortable? Should I be correcting my dog to not look? I wouldn't be correcting your dog to not look. Having another dog barking at your dog and your dog only looking at the dog just to see what they're about is not only completely like normal, but it's also not fair to say, hey, don't ignore that dog because that's a very vulnerable situation to put your dog into. She's not aggressive, but she usually gets excited to greet other dogs. She will pace the fence. Yeah, so... um, should I not? Yeah, I, I don't think pacing is, is bad either. Uh, I think dogs, they don't, they have a cap, right? So it's like a whale or a dolphin or a big fish in a tank. What else do you want them to do? They can't go past that. So they go up and down it. That's totally normal. And that's okay. But as far as your dog getting barked at by other dogs, um, I would just, as long as they're, you know, not reacting back and they're being fair, I think it's cool for your dog to just check out and see what's going on. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the question. Next comes a five-star review from Bad Belider. I think I remember this individual. Hey, Tom, curious on if you can do e-collar training on a dog who's already used an underground fence. They're not already. Uh, yeah, you can. I think it's a different communication. Um, so I would say yes. You just have to, you know, they're, they're completely two different things, to be honest with you. Um, one is a perimeter um, type thing. Um, and it just t- tells the dog where they can and can't go. And the other is a conditioning opportunity for you to teach the dog how to respond to the remote collar at low level stimulation. So you can, you just have to make sure that you do it right. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Love you lots. Um, we'll talk to you. We're going to do a couple more this week, actually, because last week my laptop was getting fixed. So we're going to do at least one more this week. So you guys will have three all together. So hope you guys enjoy. Thank you so much. Listen to all the other stuff. Watch me on YouTube. And uh, we're coming to Canada next month, which are, oh, geez, coming to Canada in two weeks, eh? If you guys want some tickets uh, to come and audit, all, this, all the spots for working spots are sold out. But you come hang out and watch, meet us, hang out with us, maybe have a beer. All right, you guys, I'll talk to you. Bye. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last.
Shop now at hannahanderson.com.